Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's uh, a couple minutes after 5 o'clock, and uh, seems like a perfect time for a cup of Joe. Um, my name's Joe, and uh, we have a Joey that's going to be joining us as a guest today, and uh seems that she's got some good, uh, good thoughts and ideas, things that Definitely, if uh, what I'm reading is even a little bit accurate, uh, definitely mirror the thoughts and ideas of the Human Solution International. Um, so we'll be getting to her very quickly. I'm probably going to have a fairly short monologue today and try to make enough time for our guests. I'm going to try to get off today at a reasonable time because I've got some things i got to do right after the show. So... Um, this is A Cup of Joe, and it's a podcast that runs from 5 to 6 p.m. Wednesday afternoon, Pacific time, every week. And um, being a podcast, it means we can be a little bit flexible about uh, the words we choose, but I try to keep it a pretty PG show, best as we can. Sometimes we lose our... Uh, cookies a bit and take things to a little bit of a darker place, but, you know, we talk about some pretty serious issues, we talk about some real issues, we talk about some things that aren't necessarily pleasant to hear, uh, we talk with people that are going through some of the most difficult times anybody could go through, we talk to uh, people that are currently in prison and if we don't do something about it, have no real way out. Uh, that's reality, folks. We talk about solutions. This group is called the Human Solution International. And although we do talk about problems that exist out there, we definitely try to focus on the solutions, and that's what I'm all about. Um, the Human Solution is an internationally recognized 501c3 uh, civil rights group, and we are currently focusing much of our attention on the war or victims of the war on drugs and especially the problems with cannabis prohibition. But we also um, champion veterans' rights. We champion disabled folks' rights. And we champion Native American rights um, outside of the cannabis cause. And generally, like I say, we're a civil rights group. If there's something that comes up that falls outside of those specifics um, and it's a real legitimate issue and you really want to be uh, stood up for and stood by, uh, chances are we'll step up. We're an all-volunteer organization. What that means is that not one of us, from leadership all the way to the, to the first volunteer that just raises their hand, gets paid. What that means is we've got heart. We've got so much heart that everything that we've done has been a gift, a gift of, of our time, of our resources, much, many times our money. Um, but we've made it important to do all the things we do. This show is a gift. This, uh, um, all the court supports that we do, everything that we've ever done to stand up for somebody. And... That makes it kind of special. And when we ask for people to, to volunteer to help out or to join the Human Solution 
pay a couple of bucks in dues. It's as much about being a part of this as it is about donating a couple of bucks. But it's funny, when you do donate a couple of bucks, it connects you in a different way than just saying, yeah, I'm with you guys. And it's in a, it, it's, it's actually got a reward to it for those that donate. And I know, I'm definitely a donor to this organization. Um, boy, that was just a brain fart. Anyways, um, again, this one of the main points to this show and this, I don't know, this is a, a bully pulpit, it's a place to, to get an opinion out, is that freedom is probably the polar opposite to prohibition. And we're about to get to the 4th of July, and I know that's a sticky uh, issue to a lot of people. And there's a lot of people that I run into that are, you know, they call themselves progressive in their way of thinking, and they consider themselves to be, uh, um, oh, I don't know, informed. We'll be gentle here. Uh, aware, elevated, uh, sometimes academic, and they have a way of thinking that sometimes it's a little bit uh, um, I don't know one-sided. And I want to remind everybody about this. And and again, I generally don't want to get political with anybody, and I. Specifically, don't want to get political right now. But when it comes to the country that we live in, um, and we're tomorrow going to be celebrating more or less the, the birth of the country, and what that meant was separating from, at the time, a very oppressive regime, a, a regime that was, in our own founders' words, taxing us and not representing us taking from us and not giving back. And we're not a perfect nation, and most of the time, or many times, our leaders have sucked. Uh, our, our government is deeply, deeply flawed, and it goes across the board. And if anybody wants to, you know, come aboard and, and talk about that, I'd be glad to do that. But I want to just give you this one thought. Look to the countries that people are fleeing from and ask yourself this question. Why isn't anybody pointing their fingers at them? I think it's an important question to ask. And I'm not here to debate immigration rules and laws, and that's really not about that to me. It's about the source of it. Because the solution is limited there's some point where it's limited, whether it's today, tomorrow, next week, next month, or next year. We can't, as a nation, uh, forever receive an unlimited number of refugees, nor can anybody, because there's not enough room and resources at one point. The point is, what this country does for its own people and for other nations and historically has done regardless of all the negative things that have happened and that it has done that clearly I'm not here to support, we want to just look at 
a basis of comparison, just for a second. And maybe we could focus on fixing some of the problems we have here, rather than just spending so much energy attacking and, and pointing waggedy fingers at, at, at all the bad things. Maybe we could put a little effort at being a part of the solution, and that's kind of what this show is all about. So when it comes to prohibition, I'm going to be, again, quicker than usual about it. Prohibition is when you say you can't have something. And when we start putting a plant, and I don't care what plant it is, we can have that debate as well, and say, well, you can't have that plant like we did in 1937 and then again in 1971 when we passed the Controlled Substances Act and we said at that time, federally speaking, which is the supreme law of the land, that no, you can't have it. can't have it. And then since that time there have been states that have been saying, well, we're going to go ahead and challenge that. We're going to let our people do this, but not that this but not that and slowly but surely it's gotten a little bit contagious and some states are allowing for this and not that and some states are allowing for that and not this but what none of the states are doing is removing prohibition every single state that allows the use of cannabis has a limit and every single state that's touting how they are expunging records and removing this and not doing that there's a place where that ends, every single one. And I have a Google alert, two of them right now that are running. One of them is the keyword illegal marijuana. And the other one is raid. And every single day, and I post some of these articles and not others. I don't always have time to do this. But every single day I get articles with those keywords in it and they tell me about illegal marijuana grows that have been busted and, and processing labs and operations and all this and that and the other thing. And I want to be very clear about this. Most of these articles are focused on states where there are both medical and recreational laws. So for those of you who don't know me and don't know this show, my name is Joe Gumbine, and I spent six years battling the government in California where I was ultimately exonerated. But during the six years that I was charged with 28 felonies, locked up five different times, spent over 200 days in court, 18 days in a trial where I was convicted and ultimately overturned that conviction in no small part because of the people that were standing with me. Five years ago, my case was dismissed. It's now been more than five years, so the federal government statute of limitations has now passed, and I can speak a lot more freely about what happened. But at the end of the day, I was more or less following a law in California and I was charged by the state, not by the feds. Had I been charged by the feds, I would have faced a 10-year mandatory minimum for what I had done. Ten years. I would 
clearly be still sitting in prison right now. And none of the good work that we've done as the human solution probably would have ever happened. That's the truth. That's the reality. When my case was dismissed five years ago, I had a choice. And most people, and when I'm saying most people, I mean 98%, maybe 99% of the people that we've supported historically over the years, the second their case is over, they're gone. And I decided that if I was to do that, my life would be easier. But what would have been the point? What would have been the point of all this fighting, of all this struggle, of all of this effort, of all this risk, and all of this uh, momentum that we had gained? Couldn't see any benefit that would happen if we didn't keep going. And so we keep going. And it's now been 10 years. The Human Solution International has now been an organization of some sort or another. Years. And we have a long way to go. But we're gaining on it. And when I say we're gaining on it, I don't mean by any of these shitty laws that have been passed. I don't believe any of those are really any true progress. But I do believe that they're waking people up. I do believe that they're bringing awareness to the problem. I do believe that our organization, the Human Solution International, is getting stronger by the day. We are hopefully going to be uh, bringing in a new A-team member tomorrow, maybe even today if she calls in. More and more groups are starting to stand together with a common goal of ending prohibition, not just passing some silly law that falls short. That's what this is about. When we talk about Independence Day, did we talk about, well, we kind of broke free from the Brits, but, you know, we still let them rule us a bit. No, we didn't. We severed the ties. We said, no, you don't rule us anymore. And aside from a few war struggles that have happened since, they stopped ruling us. When we demand an end to prohibition, this plant gets to be another plant, just like English ivy or chamomile or rutabagas or any other number of plants that are not restricted anywhere near the way cannabis is. We got Craig Cecil on the line. Craig is currently serving life in prison for pot. And when he's done, we're going to get to our first guest. The inmate at the federal prison. This call is being recorded and it's subject to monitoring. Hang up and the call. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, Joe. Well, uh, if you can hear in the background, it's a big relationship. It's been a really thunderstorm in here for more than a week, and, uh, Everybody's stuck in the cell block here, so there's people everywhere. It's kind of loud. <laughs> so what, uh, oh, everybody's stuck in the cell block because you can't go outside. Right, right. They, they can't go outside to the recreation yard, and I don't know, for some reason they're not opening, you know, all the other places we can go, like the library or the gym. But so instead they're out there yelling at each other. I see them shooting dice at one table, playing chess, yelling about cards. I mean, it's just 
assignment is, you know, for about 100 feet in front of me, uh, all I see people doing. What about all the jobs that you guys do out there? Are people still going to work? Well, unfortunately, a lot of people uh, just don't show up for work. I, I think they're uh, into their vacation schedules now because uh, <laughs> these officers get an awful lot of vacation. I think they get four or five weeks vacation, most of them. Wow. Once they get another three weeks of, like, sick days they can take, and then there's another week for, like, personal days. So they, there's a lot of days off of work for them. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. I guess that, well, it's 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 like a government job. Yep, yep, that's your tax dollars at work. Okay, one thing I've noticed this week, and this is just my impression, but there's been a bunch of groups standing up and pushing against the marijuana legalization in a lot of places. But that seems to have brought out a whole lot of other people forming groups and the like to say, no, we like our legalization and, you know, and here's what we're doing good. And part of that good is um, more attention to those of us who have risen on uh, marijuana-related re- offenses. There seems to be a, a bigger awareness this week. Have you noticed anything like that? Um, you know, it, I, I get a lot of articles that get passed to me back and forth, and uh, I have seen a number of them where, where people are, are – speaking out against, um, you know, some of the various uh, proposed legislation. And, um, you know, I think it's interesting because I actually represent a group that's against legalization, but in the opposite way, saying that it doesn't go far enough. And, you know, I, we still have, you know, my example is simple. You know, you are, are, are an example of a situation where, in a state where you come from, uh, they just passed a law that allows people to do the thing that you were locked up for and, and, and the key thrown away for. And and that example, you know, goes across the board. Uh, you know, there's a federal uh, penitentiary in Colorado, and there's a number of them in, Cal- in California. And in those places, there are people that are serving sentences for cannabis-related crimes, and at the same very time, there are people making money in cannabis-related businesses that are, quote-unquote, legal. And so, you know, I'm kind of an extremist when it comes to these points of view, but, you know, I just want to see independence, actual independence, not limited independence. And there seems to be, like Illinois uh, went ahead and approved the recreational marijuana effective the first of next year, but... There was no provisions as to how the distribution network would work or even how, you know, the retail operation would work. So, really, the scary part is going to be in the details now over the next six months. Exactly. And, you know, that's the problem. It's happened in a number of states. And uh, in many of those states, it just sort of sat. Um, and I think on the East Coast, they, they sat sort of stymied for a while where they passed some of the uh, initial states that passed laws allowing for um, medicinal, mostly it was medical initially, and uh, but they had no way for them to get it. And there were, um, you know, they had passed a law that provided for state-sanctioned um, resources, so there had to be a state 
um, grow, a state processing facility, a state dispensary or however it was gotten from, and nobody really thought it out. And it takes a while to go from we passed a law that allows you to have something to we now have plants, which means we now have product, which means we now have a an outlet to get it and a mechanism to transfer it. And all of these things take time and energy, and, and nobody's really built off of anybody else except for just pretty recently the states are starting to learn from each other a little bit. I, I see that, too. Like I say, that's what I'm afraid of Illinois is the, how they really will structure their distribution networks. And California, I think, is struggling trying to figure out from county to county how, you know, how to make things where they actually work. And, you know, they don't work to the detriment of the people that want to buy marijuana. Yeah, and, and the thing of it is, too, is it, it becomes pretty divisive because you have sort of two groups of people. You have what we would consider to be the haves, and the haves are the people that generally can afford to engage in this, in this business environment where there's a heavy fines or heavy fees to get involved. Um, generally speaking, it's a very um, grease-oriented system. Most of the people that I know that have gotten involved have had to either pay off people or give favors or it's not just a simple process and it's not a straightforward process. It has a lot to do with who you know and what kind of favors you have um, in, in politically speaking. And then it's expensive. The, the applications um, for a cannabis license are generally not less than $10,000 and sometimes more than $100,000 just to apply for the license. And I don't know of any other kind of business that has those kind of application fees, nothing even close. And most small businesses in today's market couldn't afford that um, unless they've got some major bucks behind them. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is they, they apply all these taxes, which is the reason that the states are supporting it. But what they do is they limit the people that really need it many times are on fixed income. And I don't know if you know anybody that's ever been on a fixed income, but generally they're receiving disability or Social Security or some kind of, you know, small amount of allotted money they get from the government. And it's generally just barely enough to survive on. And then when you think to yourself, well, I have now the ability to go legally, quote, unquote, buy this medicine that helps me in so many ways, and then you go to the store to buy it, and it costs, you know, 8, 10, 20, 30 times what you can get the same thing for on the street. And then you're faced with that choice of what do I do? You know, I can get it from a guy I know, um, and it's going to cost me 20, 30 bucks, or I can go to the store and do it quote-unquote right, and that same thing's going to cost me 80 bucks. And I only get 600 bucks a month to live on. That's a problem that many, many people are facing. So, you know, I... I, I, I I'm very conflicted with all of this, and I'm, I'm afraid that, you know, I have a, a minority opinion, but at the end of the day, I believe that more people are suffering than not because of these poor laws that we have. Well, one thing I think we, we've both seen is, uh, for instance, the state of Oregon. 
their supply is way over their demand. I think uh, what I've seen is they have over a six-year supply sitting right now. So, I mean, what does that do to the uh, retailers? I mean, it, it doesn't last forever. So they're giving it away at dead or below cost just to, you know, to turn it into some cash. Right. So they really kind of run themselves into trouble with an oversupply. Exactly. And, and you know, on some level, I, I actually think that that's the best thing that could happen to the market. And it's going to hurt some people because, it's it's from a federal prison. you know, people have counted on, you know, these these exorbitant prices that these these crops have caused. But the truth is, it's a crop, and if you put it up against, even at these, you know, ridiculously low prices, you put it up against any other crop, like soybeans or corn or, or rutabagas or whatever, it's still leaps and bounds more profitable. And so, you know, even in even in the worst-case scenario for the farmers and the best-case scenario for the consumers, it would be reasonably priced and easy to come by, and it would still be a better crop to grow than, you know, most of the general crops that are grown. And I think ultimately that's where we need to get to. There's always going to be people that do specialty items, and do things that are better than what everybody else does, and they can command a better price for it. And there's still a way that everybody can make some money doing this. But I just think that this this greedy glut for tax dollars and, um, you know, this uh, sort of uh, monopolistic way that it ends up being in all the places where it's legal, there's generally five or six or ten companies that control the whole market. And everybody else gets kind of cast aside and, and still criminalized. I just saw uh, in the last couple of days read a Wall Street Journal article that talked about investing in all the different, you know, marijuana ventures that are now, you know, really collecting huge amounts of money. And one thing that they had uh, done an extensive writing about is a bunch of people are establishing these big net networks of uh, for distribution and growing it in large amounts in the states where, uh, you know, it grows very easily and outside, uh, and shipping it throughout the country as soon as the federal government legalizes it. They're trying to corner the market now on that. And really their investment at the place is uh, that your money is actually better invested in miracle grow that they all have to use rather than trying to pick who the winner is going to be. Yeah, you know, it was uh, it was the guy selling the shovels and the picks that made the money in the gold rush. You know, there was a couple of guys that struck it rich and a lot of guys that uh, barely made it, and the guys that were selling the picks and shovels, they made a steady living all the way across the board, and I agree with that. You know, there's um, so many auxiliary markets that have ex- popped open because of this, and there's tons and tons of companies that are selling glassware and uh, utensils and extraction equipment and, uh, um, you know, harvesting equipment and and all sorts of nutrients and growing lights and all kinds of stuff that uh, they're killing it, and their products are 100% legal. There's nothing illegal about them. They're just simple mechanical devices. Right, I think they, they use the same miracle grow to grow roses that it's taken to grow. They <laughs> absolutely do. It's absolutely true. And you know what? I think, you know, 
hopefully later on today we're going to be talking with our uh, our people from Canada. But you know, Canada passed a law that one of the things that is good about it is that it does allow for interstate transport, and they're allowed to mail um, cannabis. Um, and you know, there hasn't been a single incident of mayhem or or you know the gates of hell opening up or all the things people are afraid of. Uh, with this interstate transport thing, and it just makes the most sense. There are places that are better suited to growing any crop, and there's places that are less suited to growing any crop. And once it's dried, it could be transported like anything. I don't. I just. It makes no sense at all. And it's it's all about the archaic, uh, biased, racist federal law that has really been the Yes, yes. I mean, the, the transporting won't be a problem once it's legal to actually cross the state line. Once again. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I, I sit think... here and... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I sit here in the middle of the, uh, the Midwest where several hundred miles in every direction is pouring, and they made it to ship it from here to every every corner of the world so they can certainly ship marijuana around the country. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it actually is a... As a crop, it's great because you can fit it into any size container. You know, if you vacuum seal it, you can put it, you could literally take a, I don't know, whatever, a, a, a shipping truck, the cubic feet that are in it, you could literally fit all the cubic feet with cannabis if you wanted to. Well, Joe, that's the second beat, so I just want to thank everybody for uh, remembering those of us who uh, here behind the razor wire because so many of these stories now are throwing in there at least a couple of sentences that, hey, we have to remember the people behind bars. And if we're going to get any help, that's where it's going to come from. That That's what's going to start the, the ball rolling. So thank you to everybody. And there goes Craig once again. Um, and just remember, you know, my opinions are my opinions. But I feel very strongly about them, and I've been on both sides of the equation. And I have taken a chance being an outlaw, helping people that needed it. And, frankly, I would continue to do that no matter what the law ever said. And I would stand up for anybody to defy these laws because, frankly, as I pointed out many, many times, we've had all kinds of terrible laws in the past. And just because something is lawful doesn't mean it's right and doesn't mean it's good and doesn't mean it's okay to do. And just because it's illegal or unlawful doesn't mean it's wrong or not okay to do. And if somebody gets charged with a crime that's based off of a bad law, it's our duty, it's our right, it's our obligation to stand up and say, no, not guilty, sorry, this isn't going to hold. We have a right to nullify these bad laws, and we need to do it. We need to do it every single time. All right, we've got a bunch of guests popping in, and um, i got a couple of short ones up first, and then we're going to get to our main guest. So uh, let's see. Glenn's got an update from Ohio. This is Glenn Keeling from our Creative Care Beacon chapter of the Human Solution International out of Ohio. And uh, 
he just had an update on his case. Uh, once again, this is a guy who was um, in a state where they had a law that allowed you to do some things, and to the best of his ability, he was following that law. And yet, he got targeted, he got arrested, he got charged, and him and his wife are facing many, many years in prison if convicted, and that is holding over his head. Hopefully, the right thing will happen. Hopefully, they'll dismiss this case as they should. But meanwhile, they put this family under duress. Um, Peggy, his wife, is uh, suffering from all kinds of physical ailments. And I can assure you that the stress that comes out of being charged with these kind of crimes is debilitating and exacerbates any problem that you might have. And in many cases, we've determined it to even be fatal. We don't want to see any of that happen. We want to stand up with Glenn and Peggy, and we want to make sure that they get the freedom that we all are entitled to. All right, Glenn Keeley, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing very good, Joe. Thank you very much for having me on this evening. My pleasure, my pleasure. So tell me what happened. Um, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty much nothing. Uh, I got a text from Peggy's attorney telling us that um, that they have not made a decision yet, that it's going to be at least another two weeks, maybe. Well, but at least at least that there's a decision being made, and maybe that that's the thing that's going to make the difference. You know, I, 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 I can absolutely share your frustration, and I can also be optimistic based on my experience as well. And um, you know, there's no way to know what's going to happen. And I, I had people tell me the whole way through my trial, "Oh, you're going to be all right." And it's like, yeah, that's so easy for you to say and i can i can assure you i i know the anxiety i know the stress and just know that you know i have a feeling in my heart says that this is going to come out all right for you guys but i just want to see it get there i just want to see it get there right yeah that that's at this point where you know either take us to trial so you know we can get this done and over with and people can hear what's really going on or just flat out dismiss us because I mean those are the only real. I mean if you you, you look at the whole case and, and I'm sure that I mean I I know that you've seen what's in the case and everybody pretty much knows because it's public knowledge. But you know I, I mean those are basically the only things that you can do. Either you, you know right I, I mean charging two people with 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 what they're charging us with for over what they're charging us with is just, I mean, I mean it's really ridiculous. It's nonsense. I mean, and you know, it's, this is every cannabis case. It's not just our case. I mean, this is just right now in the front page and everybody's, you know, but this goes on with every, this, this is not unusual. This is a very typical what happens that, you know, they, they hammer and hammer and hammer and just drag it out until somebody just finally just buckles to their knees and just gives in. You know, going through this and being through, you know, it, it's it's very. I mean, you, your knees are weak every well, day. That goes what they're on. trying to do, wear you down, and they're trying to get you to just give up and say, you know what, I can't take it anymore. And you know, there was um, we I read an article last week that addressed just that, and it was about the testing, the field testing they have. And they've ruled these field tests to be inadmissible 
but they're still doing it. They're still charging people with it because they know that 97% of the people take a plea deal because they don't have the stomach to stand up and fight. And that's what they're doing. They're just, they dig in. Once they charge you, they're assuming you're going to give up, and they'll push it all the way to the end because they don't care. And they, they know every week it goes on, it's just one step closer to you probably giving up. And the, the, the odds and the uh, statistics would support that 100%. And that's, that's why it's so important for us and people like us to stand with you and people like you to put an end to this. And we need to stand up and we need to not bow down and we need to either have them put their case in front of us and let's challenge it and let's fight it or drop it and give us our lives back. Right. And it, 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 you're absolutely right. This is just a, uh, it, it's mob tactics. You know, they do just to, to hammer, 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 you know, because they know that the majority of people don't have the patience and they don't have the funds. And you're right. Most times they don't have the stomach to go through this, you know, because it takes a lot from people going through it, you know, and it, it it really sucks. It, I mean, it just doesn't. It's not just financially, but you know, mentally, it, your health, your friends, your family, people around you. It does a lot more damage than just you know. Oh, you're just being charged. It, it's um, it's really it ridiculous. You know, we were. It goes after you every way there is, and I totally, like I said, I deeply respect you guys for standing and fighting, knowing that. Peggy's going through so many health issues that you guys are going through financial issues and all the family stuff you guys have been going with, going through, and you're still helping other people fight their cases, and that's what this is all about. And you know what? Like I said, as we get stronger, you get stronger, and that's what that's what's happening here. So just realize that, um, you know, we're going to keep dug in and we're going to keep growing support as need be, and, you know, hell's bells. If it ends up going to trial, I guess I'm going to Ohio. <laughs> right. Well, one way to get you here. <laughs> um, yeah, it's crappy. It's crappy. You know, um, it's, it's crap. you know we're not only right on. You know, we're we're not only going through this case ourselves. You know, there's a people around us that we're going through cases. We're trying to help them. Our granddaughter just got home from the hospital today. Our son at three o'clock this morning ended up breaking his arm at work, so we ended up spending the day at the hospital with him. Having he had to have surgery and pins and and plates put in his arm, and then the case, you know, then that the, it was just we were just really so hoping that you know to have some kind of you know some positive good news for you know the day and um and continued yet for another you know. At least we're free and we have our freedom and we can still medicate and, and use what we can use and um, we have that and we're, we have the ability to, to help other people and to stand with other people. So, uh, I mean, they've not beat us down and they've not buried us yet. So as long as we can still run Ohio and help everybody here, then I guess we're real good then. There you go. Well, I appreciate everything you're doing and if somebody wants to get involved, um, and help out in Ohio, how did they get a hold of you? Oh, right on, man. That's real easy. Um, we're the Creative Care Beacon, the Ohio chapter of the Human Solution International. We're on Facebook. You can find myself and my wife, Peggy Kimmel, or Glenn Keeling on the Internet. And if you don't want to, you can just simply give me a call at 419 863 
Excellent. Well, thank you so much, and uh, we're burning through time once again, and I don't know, I, I think I just talked too much, but what the hell, <laughs> we're going to keep on going, and uh, I will uh, talk to you tomorrow. Right on. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. you guys have a good night. You got it. All right, folks, so um, we have Joey Lee, our main guest, which I'm going to have to wait just a little bit more because we've got Larry Burgess um, on, and, and Larry's a, a defendant, the way I understand it. Um, and I want to explain how things work. The Human Solution International is an all-volunteer organization, and we have grown and shrunk as needed for the last 10 years. And there's been times when we've been huge and had thousands of members and and, and dozens and dozens of chapters. And there's been times when we've been slim and we've had maybe a couple of hundred members and a few chapters that are active. But the bottom line is we're a grassroots organization and we rise and, and shrink as needed. And when a defendant calls us up or contacts us and says, I need help, it's really important to understand what that means. Because a lot of people have the misinformation that we have this ability to just press a button and a media machine launches and thousands of people show up at your courtroom and just know all about your case. And the truth is that's not true. What it takes for a defendant to get engaged is to talk to us, to share your story. And that's what this show is about. And so when we get... Um, somebody who's fighting a case like we did last week and we have weeks in prior, uh, we encourage you to come aboard and uh, tell us about your case and let us know what we can do to help. And in turn, we will be an amplifier and we will show you and help you to do this. Now we have actually a guest I'm going to put up before. Larry, this is Janice and Devin calling from Canada and they generally have a limited amount of time that they can talk, and um, they're giving us an update real quick. So I know I said I was going to try to keep it within the bounds of the show, but we'll probably go a little long again, which is okay. Um, but Janice and Devin are two amazing people. Um, they're chapter coordinators for our what we call our friendly Manitoba chapter. And, you know, it's funny. People think, oh, everything's legal in Canada, but the truth is there's raids going on all the time. There's all kinds of problems. And legalization does not mean prohibition is over. And Janice and Devin have uh, stood the course, and they're still advocating, and they're still supporting those people that are, uh, have been arrested and raided, and we're still doing uh, as much as we can to end this and make a world where you just don't have to worry about getting locked up for cannabis. And they were just at an event last couple of days, and they're going to give us an update. Janice and Devin... It's always great to hear from you. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. How are you? Thanks very much. Greetings. To I am Joe fantastic. Listeners. It's good to hear your voice. Yes, we were at uh, the Unity Cup 3 event this, uh, this past long weekend, and um, we were there to engage with the public. There was uh, approximately 500 people that were in attendance over the weekend. And um, we were discussing the whole, as you, you nailed it, the whole legalization scene. Um, in Canada here, it remains under the guise of cannabis prohibition because we, too, never actually fully repealed it. And we've got about 40 ways to go to jail here um, since legalization has been introduced. 
And, and you know, it gets silly from province to province. It breaks down. And, like, it gets as stupid as in B.C., as I recall uh, Dana Larson pointing out last year. You know, if you get caught in uh, B.C. there in a canoe drinking alcohol, you'll get a fine. If you get caught there in a canoe smoking a joint, that's a $5,000 fine and three months in jail under their B.C., their cannabis control regulation laws. Um, so since 1923, cannabis prohibition is still very, very much well alive here in Canada. And uh, there's, there's other, other things, too, where you could face, if you pass a joint or supply a minor, you could face up to 14 years uh, in jail. Um, so we were there wow. to discuss these, 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 these things. And also to remind people, uh, if you ever get called for jury duty, of course, you have a right to not only judge the defendant, but you can, you can judge the law and you can, you can judge the law, a bad law in, in some of these cannabis cases, you know. Absolutely. Jury nullification goes across the bounds anywhere where you have a court system with a jury trial um, and an opportunity to vote. You have that right and that obligation of jury nullification. So it's not just an American thing by any stretch. It, it goes across um, any place where they have a, 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 a more or less an English type of uh, jury system. Right. Absolutely. Well, I am so glad that you guys are still out there fighting. I know, you know, there's such a misconception about uh, what legalization means. And I have people come to me all the time and say, oh, Canada's got it so great. They've got everything's all legal. <laughs> I was like, well, that's funny because I get all the information about the raids that are still happening, and there's still people getting busted. In some cases, it seems almost more than before. It, it is terrible, and, and in this case, too, all of our dispensaries, the ones that would pave the way for the dispensaries that would be coming legally, they're all getting wiped out across Canada. They're not even being thought of for the future planning, and they're, they're being just wiped right out. Wow. And, and are they still using irradiation as a method of uh, controlling uh, pestilence problems? Mm -hmm. Yes, most of them are, and they, they have they have approved a list of pesticides and sprays they can also use. Whereas, you know, in, in the farm, for perhaps when, when we're growing, uh, if we have a plant that might have show signs, if, of, of powdery mildew or mites or anything, I mean, most farmers, we, we throw that stuff away. But these LPs, they're out there trying to save that stuff and spray it and, 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 and uh, do whatever they can to save their, their, their crops. And it's not making it any better. I mean, the quality just goes downhill from there, right? Or turning it into oil. Yeah, and if they're going to be putting that into oil, they were going to be eating these things, yes, the, that, that they irradiate and they spray and they pesticide. And they have some of these sprays and pesticides. There is a link to Monsanto, of course, and their business side. Of course. Yeah, because everything's mm -hmm. better. Better living chemistry, right? Right. And here in Manitoba, with this great legalization across Canada, we can't even grow four plants recreationally in Manitoba and Quebec. So the, the, the whole legalization wow. is... It's a scam. And they don't even want to bust anyone for growing four plants because they don't want the attention. Yeah, they're trying to avoid the attention, but they still have this law written down at a Right. They still hold you they still hold you hostage with it. You know, it's very intimidating. Exactly. Because they could come at you. Even if they don't generally, they could. Yes. Well, I uh appreciate everything. Um and, and what's uh have there been any meetings or anything that you guys have? Uh, I know you you were representing at the Unity Conference, which is fantastic. Um, have there been any kind of meetings or uh, gatherings or anything scheduled? Uh, just coming up in the future, we just um, just had some people that w were out of province 
weren't able to attend, so we kind of held off. But we'll be having one hopefully within the next month or two. Excellent. And, of course, in September we're going to be having one because I'll be there. <laughs> Great. Yeah, we'll have a meet and greet, and you can uh, do a presentation on the importance of ending prohibition and legalization, and we can have some discussions there with uh, interested individuals. Yes, looking forward to spreading that. Great knowledge and good conversation among these great people here. Well, you know, I think part of it is is connecting with people and uh, finding people that are willing to listen. And second is, you know, we got to have our talking points down right, where they're concise and clear and accurate. And then, you know, it's a work in progress. We're always trying to get better at, at at this. But I believe that we're gaining on it, even if sometimes it seems we're not. I believe we are, and I I, I know that if we Stay the course. We're going to get this prize. We're going to get it maybe even in our lifetime. I fully agree. Here's to making our better best. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. All right, you guys. Janice and Devin, friendly Manitoba chapter, and uh, doing great work in the Great White North. Well, thank you very kindly for your time, and have a great evening, everybody. Thanks, Joe. Excellent. Good day. Good day. <laughs> All right, two of the just kindest, wonderfulest people you ever did meet, Janice and Devin Davis. Um, all right, up next we got Larry Burgess. And, again, as I was saying, um, we make an amazing amplifier, not a very good power supply. So, Larry, this is an opportunity you're plugging into an amplifier that is reaching the far corners of the earth, and we're here to help. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you so much, Joe. Can you hear me Okay. You're just fine. All right. Um, I greatly appreciate you uh, allowing people to call in and use this platform. Um, my uh, story happened uh, two years ago in April, uh, over two years ago, um, in southeast Kansas. Uh, my, uh, I have non-epileptic grand mal seizures. Um, my seizure started in 2009. Um, I went to the Mayo Clinic and uh, was diagnosed with these and um, had tried the whole gamut of the uh, seizure medication, uh, actually was almost killed with uh, blood toxicity um, at one point with um, two different medications and uh, uh, could not find anything that would help at all. In fact, my seizures just got worse. Um, 2014, I traveled to Colorado for the first time and um, experienced uh, some uh, medical-grade cannabis. And the next morning, I uh, was the first morning I hadn't had a seizure uh, in over three years. And uh, so cannabis oil definitely changed my life. Um, long story short, uh, to fast forward to 2017, um, I was arrested um, and facing three felony charges and one misdemeanor uh, for uh, making my own cannabis oil and using it for seizures uh, just for myself. Uh, my case has been going on for, like I said, uh, over two years. And um, I'm in a part of Kansas um, that is all Republican, and um, there's never been a case won. And my lawyer really does not plan on fighting it. Yeah, that's um, 
it's a brutal situation, especially in the the situation that you described, where the political climate is stacked against you, and most importantly, uh, the public defender just doesn't want to fight. And ha- do you do you have in Kansas a thing that's like a Marston motion where you can fire your public defender? Um, I'm not for sure. Are you asking me that? Sorry. I would look into it. Look into uh, in California. It's called a Marsden motion. I don't know if okay. it's got a different name in other states, but it basically means that you have a right to fire your public defender for not vigorously defending you. You have a right to a defense, and you have a right to a vigorous defense, and that means that that attorney is supposed to friggin' try. And when they don't put an effort into it, you actually have a valid right with your due process to challenge that and say, wait a minute, I, I, I'm entitled to a defense here. And, you know, you know what really sucks is you're fighting a case that is a nonviolent, victimless crime. It's only a crime because of a bad law. And you have a lawyer that won't fight for you, and yet you have violent murderers, rapists, uh, terrorists of all types, and there are attorneys that jump in, and they're more than willing to fight for these guys and do it just for the notoriety. Exactly. I, if it wasn't I for a judge to give me bond modification, I would not be able to live in Colorado as I do now, where I'm free to medicate, free to make my own medicine. And uh, uh, I, the sheriff's office there, would um, they harass my family to no end. We live in a town that's uh, around 1,600 people, so it's a tiny, small, rural community. Um, everyone knew they had seen me go from uh, using a cane and, uh, you know, being debilitated to being able to go to my kids' events and being out in public and, and uh, being a member of society again. And, you know, it doesn't take long for word to spread around, but uh, they, the police officer, the sheriff's department is so upset still to this day because they feel that they looked bad because they didn't do their job of investigating before they uh, had 16 law enforcement officers outside of my home with AK. 47s or AR-15s and, uh, you know, scaring me and my whole family and, and it's completely ruined my life. So I, I, if it wasn't for the judge, I would be terrorized every day of my life. And um, before I had cannabis oil, I was having uh, three or more grand mal seizures a day. And now with cannabis oil living in a state where I can medicate, I'm down to uh, less than three a week. Well, hopefully this judge will stay presiding over your case, and hopefully, um, you know, ultimately you should be able to file a motion to dismiss. If your attorney won't do it, again, that might give you the grounds to fire that attorney and get a new one. And, you know, that's one of the biggest problems is we get the justice that we can afford. And, And, you know, my first trial, I raised money for an attorney, and and I got – at least the guy who fought for me the second my second trial 
Uh, I'm so glad that they dismissed it before it went to trial because this guy was a public defender and he wasn't going to put up a vigorous defense. And I was, I had to fight with him to even put up the defense he was going to put up. And it's just very typical. It's, it's, it's a flaw in our system. Um, and it, and it, it's a deep flaw that, that covers a lot of ground, more, more ground than we have time to dig too into. My question for you is this. You've been in touch with um, uh, Sarah and Mike from our Kansas chapter. Is that right? Yes, and Lisa Sublet, yes. And Lisa Sublet with Bleeding Kansas. So um, do you have a court date that's, um, that's coming up? No, I don't. I have, I have not been to court since that bond modification. I haven't had to appear in court. Um, I don't have to appear in court until they have a plea deal. So there's a chance that they're just playing sort of a, a a waiting game of you know we don't want to deal with this nobody wants to deal with this and they don't want they don't want any um, extra spotlight on this uh, this stain of theirs. Yeah, no, I and I, I totally understand that. So my question is, um, if you just sit still and don't do anything and they don't pursue the case, at what point do you know that it's over? Exactly. And and it it is somewhat terrifying to know that at any time that I'm going to get a phone call and have to be back in Kansas. And, you know, I'm still just on a disabled budget to get my uh, check and everything. Um, And uh, it's a a lot more expensive here in Colorado than Kansas. And so – I don't want to have to go back there. I can't travel back there to see family in fear of being harassed or having an accident and then them drawing my blood. And then I'd have to sit out all this time in the Wilson County Sheriff's Department. And that's nothing more than what Pete Figgins, the sheriff, wants. Yeah, it's brutal. Well, just know this, um, you know, staying in contact with Mike and Sarah, and I would encourage you, um, you know, to check in with the show from time to time. Um, if there's anything that we can do, I mean, if they do end up putting a court date on calendar, um, I strongly believe that bringing attention to that is important. Obviously, it's going to be your call what, what you want to do, but just realize that you got a lot of people that care and that will stand behind you and support you um, in whatever way we can. So um, I'm Thank glad you. you were able and to I- call in and um, like I can say is, you know, stay in contact with Lisa and, and Mike and, and uh, Sarah and, um, you know, check in with the show regularly and we'll see what we can do. I will. Thank you so much, Joe. You guys have a great evening. Absolutely. And just know we stand with you and we're here to, we're here to end this and make it, make it to where you don't have to worry about any of these things. We all are glad you are there for this exact reason, and I will keep in touch for sure and update you uh, on my next court date. You have a great evening. Thank you. All right. Well, my best to you and your family, and we'll go on and keep on fighting. Larry Burgess, folks, living in Colorado, wishing he was back in Kansas where he could afford to live better, um, but stuck in a court case that won't come to life and won't end. All right, and we now have our main guest, Joey Lee, and we're uh, running a bit of overtime. 
And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring Joey up real quick, and um, I have to take care of some business real quick while I'm doing it. So, Joey, welcome to the show. Um, and this Me. is a, a, a unique but not that unique situation. This is a show that gets out of control sometimes, and what is supposed to be an hour turns into two hours sometimes. But what I need for you to do, I need to go and take care of some business real quick, but I don't do commercials. So I'm going to bring Lisa up here, who's our vice president. She's going to sit in the chair with you just for a second and give you a chance to kind of explain yourself and, and tell us a little bit about um, yourself and your organization and the work that you're doing, what brought you here. I will be gone no more than two or three minutes, and then I'll come back and probably ask you some of the same questions. But it's important because we really care about what you're doing. It sounds like what you're doing is what we're doing. And I want to lock arms and join forces. So give me one second. Lisa's going to take over for a couple of seconds and uh, share your story with us. Excellent. Thank you guys so much. Hi, Lisa. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Um, I appreciate you guys uh, reaching out the um, the offer for the slot here. Yeah, we've got um, some great things going on. Um, little background on me. Um, I spent two years as the director of outreach for Maryland Normal. Um, and, you know, we've all had our struggles right now. Um, I'm dealing with stuff that's in litigation, like we all are. And we, you know, we can't say much, unfortunately. Um, but so many people are affected by these drug wars that um, it's insane. And over the years, I mean, there's so many grassroots organizations such as yours, um, you know, you've got Normal and ASA and, and, and the big guys, um, but they make up maybe 1% of, of what these communities pocketed all over the nation are actually doing. So um, over the years, staring at Facebook, <laughs> seeing all these awesome right. grassroots organizations pop up, um, it occurred to me that nobody is really communicating with each other. We all have our own little separate networks, which is great, um, but, but nobody knows how to get together and maximize these efforts, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So, you got to be the collective voice to make some real noise. Yeah. Nothing happens without solidarity. Absolutely. Um, so I guess it's been about three months now. I created a little Facebook group, uh, named it Civilian Platoon 420, um, and I started collecting, you know, all these activists, all these these heavy hitters, these these people who've been affected, um, and and bringing them into the group. Actually, uh, Peggy Sue's Kimmel's in the group um, <laughs> with us. It was awesome to to see her online here uh, with us tonight, um, and and people are being able to share information. They get to talk to each other. They get to share their stories. They get to share their events. Um, they get to help each other uh, market the events. Um, and, and what I find is really great because I feel like right now our key is outreach. I, you've, got, you've got that camp. We're never going to change their mind. They're always going to think that cannabis is bad, right? Yep. It, comes, it comes down to morals, and, and you can't change somebody's morals, but what you can do is you can present to them why, from their perspective, it would still be a good idea, right? I mean, you've just got to twist the discussion a little bit. Um, so it basically, I, I read, where is, where is the statistic? I think it's how many billions of dollars, $58 billion are spent every year 
going after and arresting people for minor cannabis possessions, these nonviolent crimes. I mean, those are our tax dollars. And, and aside from the tax dollars, it's, it's destroying people's lives, right? Well, so if these naysayers, if they don't care about people's lives, right, obviously they care about those green paper rectangles, the money. Um, so so the, the, the angle is that, man, we're, we're spending too much in this country on this. Um, the uh, Students for a Sensible Drug Policy said that if they were to tax cannabis, they would make just as much money nationally off of the tax revenue that we're spending going after these nonviolent citizens, these peaceful citizens who are simply trying to save their friends' lives. Right. And how many people are, are we actually wasting the resources of human beings where you've got people locked up that can't uh, communicate because they're locked up? And those are the intelligent people that we need set free so we can access them as a collective body, and Joe's back, so I'm out. <laughs> hey, Joe, that was quick. <laughs> Keep on going. I told you it'd be a couple of minutes, so I try to. Man, I, I try to have some integrity in life, as you find out in this movement. Integrity, integrity is a little hard to come by sometimes, but um, <laughs> you know, if some of us uh, stand up and keep standing, sometimes we get others to stand with us and. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the deal. So um, I, I missed a couple of minutes that you were talking about. What, what brought you into being an activist? I, most, most people have one thing they share in common, but not everybody does. And I'm just curious, what brought you into caring about this? Um, well, I, I can't say too much about the particulars, uh, but uh, going on five years ago, um, and I think uh, a lot of people experience this, men and women. Um, I, I started going through uh, separation, and my cannabis use was used to get me in a Virginia state custody court. So, um, you know, I am suffering the repercussions of that and doing what I can to, you know, try to stay connected with my son as best as I'm able to. Um, but these laws are ridiculous, and there's there's no protections for the patient, um, and I'm a patient in Maryland. Um, I, I medicate for a multitude of conditions, um, and actually going through this battle, um, I did what any mom would do, and I, I, I put the bowl down because I knew what was to come. I was ordered to go to a traditional doctor, and next thing you know, I'm on seven pharmaceuticals that wreaked havoc on my life, um, and, and, and that's when I realized that I'm somebody who has been, you know, illegally healed for, you know, a good 15 to 20 years. Uh, cannabis has worked. I'm somebody who listens to my body, um, and it's helped me with, with everything that I need in terms of wellness. Um, of course, with natural uh, diet and healthy lifestyle, of course, it, cannabis isn't a cure-all. Uh, that's one thing that, that I think we need to make clear to people. A lot of people think we're trying to push this cannabis is, is this miracle drug agenda. Um, but, but there's people out there that they've been raised to think that cannabis is bad, right? And, and they go to the doctor, and, and they're on, you know, 20 milligrams of Xanax and Klonopin every night. And meanwhile, they're pointing the finger at you. And, and, and one day, their doctors cut them off of these pills, and then they start to experience the withdrawal symptoms. Some of them go to cannabis and realize that they were wrong. Uh, and, and, and others get stuck with that. A lot of people don't make it out alive either. I mean, there's 123 suicides a day and just under 200 overdoses a day. And a lot of those start in the doctor's office. 
And a lot of those people wouldn't walk into the doctor's office if they had the opportunity to utilize cannabis. So it, it's a serious epidemic. Um, it, it, people don't think it's a big deal. It, it is a big deal. Millions of lives are being negatively affected. And, and, and this is it. We've had legal, um, when did California legalize medicinally back in 1996? Um, yep. Where's the protection for the patients? It's the federal government's we role. We lost it. We lost it. You know where we lost it to? We lost it to our recreational law that we just passed two years ago. And now yeah. Our, yeah. our medical protection that we had, which was certainly not bulletproof by any stretch, but certainly better than nothing, um, it's all gone to hell because now we have recreational cannabis and the medical uh, protections we had are gone. Yeah, and that's why um, uh, you had mentioned some of the bills on the floor right now, like uh, the, the HB 420 bill. Tell me that's not a setup yep. being so conveniently named. Yeah. It, it is the worst bill that I have ever read in my entire life, and it, it's only going to make things worse. They they want to they they want to regulate cannabis like alcohol. It, it, it's like putting uh you, you know heroin and 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 vitamin C in the same category. It's it's not the same. It's the worst idea ever, and and you brought up a whole bunch of great points, and and I frankly want to continue this conversation in greater depth. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be available next week, but I would love to have you on again. I do this fairly regularly when we get a guest that has a lot of good stuff to say. Um, Sometimes we'll we'll have an initial, um, you know, meet and greet, which, you know, the first interview generally is, and then the second interview we start to get deep. Um, and and I can see that you fit into that category. Um, you touched on some really important parts. Number one, uh, one of the unsung victims of cannabis prohibition are families. And I have yeah. personally witnessed dozens of families that were torn apart by cannabis cases. And I've seen children separated from their parents. I've seen parents using cannabis against the other parent in a in a you know divorce separation and and using it as a weapon and, and, and seizing custody of the kids over that. I've seen parents I've seen there's a case in California not that long ago that the father got raided. It was a fairly small grow. They took the kid. The kid was in foster care. The kid got raped in foster care. And I talked to the kid, that talked to the father not that long ago, and he just won a settlement. He got a quarter million dollars or something. I said, wow. So my tax dollars were spent to investigate you, to raid you, to lock you up, to take your kid away, to put your kid in a place where the kid was obviously in danger. Meanwhile, the defendant was charged with child endangerment and child neglect. And when it all went down, all these horrors unfolded, and he was ultimately exonerated and then files the lawsuit, wins against the city, and now my tax dollars go to settle with you. Is that? Yes. Every kind of horrible. I mean, there's. I don't. The words don't even describe the horrors that that picture just painted. 
And unfortunately, that's not uncommon. And, not and you know, we go deep into that. And then you got into this. medicine, I use it very specifically. And I put quotes. as such. And so I'm being very clinical when I say the word medicine. And when the courts tell you you can't use your cannabis, but you can use these medicines, we have seen over and over and over in case after case after case of these legal prescribed medicines destroy people's lives, destroy people's organs, destroy people's way of life, uh, well-being, and ability to manage. And then like you say, sometimes they cut you right off. Now we've got this opium epidemic, and doctors are being criticized for over-prescribing. So, and especially if they find out that you've been taking any cannabis, they'll have you on three, four different uh, painkillers, anti-anxiety, uh, antidepressants, and all of a sudden they find out, oh, they're using cannabis. Cut them off. And then you go through potentially lethal side effects of withdrawals. All of this yeah. in place. And then the final and, and, and point. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, let me just make this final point, and then I'll turn it back over to you. The mm -hmm. thing that I think is maybe most important of all of these things that get brought up is the status of the cannabis plant. The cannabis plant should be is, for all intents and purposes, a category that the FDA classifies as grass, generally regarded as safe. And if you look at the chemicals and ingredients that the FDA considers as grass, generally regarded as safe, one of them is monosodium glutamate. And monosodium glutamate is responsible for all kinds of horrors, but the FDA says, no, nah, it's okay. You don't even really have to list it in your ingredients. You can call it natural flavorings because it's generally regarded as safe. And yet the cannabis plant is still Schedule One, considered to have no known medical use and it's high risk of uh, abuse and um, uh, addiction. And it's just, you know, one of the horrors of the world. So... I'll turn it back over to you, but I just have that point of reference that I think a lot of people use, lose when they get hung up on we got to regulate it like alcohol and we got to regulate it like whatever, and yet we got to we don't we fail to identify it for what it is. Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 just to go back to the discussion on the pills. Um, you know, to speak for myself only, I'm I'm not a pill shamer. I mean, that stuff has its place in society. People need it, and that's the problem. If they want to uh, supplement for what they know is best for them, they're not given the opportunity to. And these pills are being handed out like candy, and 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 we need balance. It is what we need more than anything else. We don't need to outlaw one and bring in the other. And and they're starting to try to bring big pharma down while they're bringing cannabis in. And I I don't think that's the answer. I'm angry at big pharma. I am so angry at big pharma. But I don't think they need to be brought down. After all, 
the federal government put the regulations in place to allow them to do what they do, and now the federal government's charging them for doing what they were allowed to do. It's just, it, it's really, it's beyond me, and, and there needs to be some balance, and in order for there to be balance, there needs to be open discussion, and it seems like, it, just like politics, you know, you've got the right and the left split. We're starting to see the natural versus the synthetic split, and, and it's it's not the way to go. The, the, the puppet masters are pulling the strings on us again, you see. Um, so communication and outreach, I think, is is really important. And and the group, the Facebook group, and again, it's only, it's only about two months old right now. It's growing. I'm trying to build a website out of it. I'm still brainstorming with some members. But when when there's posts about how cannabis is bad or if there's a cannabis arrest, We'll share those posts into the group, and then the entire group will hop on the, this feed, and we won't bully these people. We'll educate them. And, and, and I don't know if it's working, but, but I don't know how else to get through to these people because they don't listen to these podcasts. They don't, they don't watch the same shows we watch. They watch their networks that are still uh, propagandizing everything. Um, so I, there has to be a balance, and I really I feel that the energy in the air is there to create that, but we're still at a dangerous tipping point right now. And people want to see the big party and the big demonstration and the end of prohibition, but it's it's not over. It's I mean there's 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 a cannabis arrest every like twenty five seconds in this country. You can't sit here and tell me that prohibition is over. It's not it's not even close. Well I, I agree so, with I, you more and, and I I share uh articles about arrests and raids and, and all of these things fairly regularly. I, I'm i not the big social media guy. I'd rather have a conversation. And I honestly believe that we should do everything and do everything unabashedly. I think that, you know, I, I, I talk to people whenever I can. I get in front of a group whenever I can. I do this podcast whenever I can. I do some social media. We're, I don't think there's – I think that everything we do has some value in, in, in – as much as we want to reach the masses, sometimes we just need to reach critical people in the masses. And if we can influence an influencer, if we can connect with somebody who already has reach, sometimes that's just as important as, as hitting, you know, the big numbers yourself. I, I think this is about unity, and I think one by one, as we get people and groups standing together and willing to lock arms and say, hey, um, I'd like to work with you on some capacity. Let's see what we can do. I would like to invite you, um, if you're able to, to join a conference call tomorrow at noon Pacific time, which would, I guess, if you're at Eastern time, it would be 3 o'clock. I don't know if you'd be able to make it. Um, but if you are, uh, I'd like you to – it's the, with the leadership of the Human Solution, and we, we meet twice a week, and we discuss and we – um, plan and we um, engage other other leadership of other groups and other people that are willing to come in and, and figure out how we can work together. Um, and I think that that's the behind-the-scenes stuff that's just as important as, uh, you know, sharing ideas and posting in a public forum and, and social media. So if you're up for it um, and you stay on the line, I've got one more caller after you. Uh, Mary, our screener, can give you the contact information. And if for whatever reason that doesn't happen, I have your number that you're calling from. And if you are interested, I can call you and give you that information myself. So uh, mm -hmm. let me know if you're interested in doing that, if you're able to make that call. 
Um, and then I'd like to have you back on next week and, you know, let's get more specific about some of the things that um, you have as ideas for where you're at. Who knows, maybe, um, you know, maybe we can form a, a, a chapter out that or, or out, out where you're at or, or find some, see how many uh, people you have in your, in your you know, close-knit community and, and maybe we can organize and, and, you know, bring to life something that, uh is having a hard time getting going, or possibly we have resources that might be able to help some of your efforts as well. Absolutely, and I appreciate the invite, and we'll happily join uh, the conference call. Like I said, solidarity is everything at this point. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, too, but there's a bit of a, a rock star climate in the activist community oh, starting uh, to form, but um, I'm confident that the, the groups with good intent will 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 follow through, and and that's what's important. You know important, what? I so. can tell you this with with, with all certainty: the, the 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 conference call that you'll be joining is actually full of true rock stars, but none of them are out there saying, "Look at me." It's a group of people that really care, that really want to see this end. We're all trying to put ourselves out of business. We all want to. Go out and champion some other cause. There's other causes that, unfortunately, you would think would be more important, like, I don't know, world hunger, child slavery, yeah. uh, sex trade. I mean, there's all kinds of horrors that are happening in the world right now, and we're busy fighting for a plant to be free, but it's so important that we do this, and we all get all of this. We want to be able to get into some more, quote-unquote, mainstream uh, uh, causes to champion <clears throat> But when people get locked up And lose their family members And lose their freedoms and opportunities Over a plant That can only help you And can't hurt you i got to tell you That's the core of oppression and tyranny And that's what we have to beat We have to, we have to beat what's underneath it all So um, Joey yeah. I love your name first of all Because I so happen to have a name like that so you fit quickly into a cup of joe, and um, I, I absolutely, if you can stay on the line, um, um, our amazing screener, non-compliant Mary, who's also a board member of the organization and a rock star that just doesn't look for any fame, um, <clears throat> she'll get, give you the information, the call-in information, and I can see if that all happens. If it doesn't happen, I'll personally call you after we're done, and I'll give you what you need. That all sounds great, Joe. I really appreciate you and what you're doing. Beautiful. Well, we'll, uh, we'll plan on continuing this conversation next week. I think we still have a lot to talk about, and I'd love to uh, announce a new unity and, an, and a, a, a new ally. Dilly dilly. <laughs> awesome. All right, we'll talk to you real soon, and uh, stay on the line. Absolutely. All right, and Mary, if you can um, give her the – the conference call information, that would be fantastic. All right, we got Tom Corby to close up. The and whoops, I, <laughs> there you go. All right, now, Mary, if you can do that. We got Tom Corby to close up the show. And uh, welcome aboard, Mr. Corby. Tom Corby. There you are. Thank you, Joe. Hey, Tom, put the phone right up against your mouth. Last time we really had a hard time hearing you. I want to hear everything you have to say. 
How about now? That's better. That's better. Wow, I'm right up against yep. this. Perfect. I want to thank, <laughs> thank you, Joe, and me sitting at Coffee Party Radio Show always, and uh, happy 4th of July to you all, and motto is, is let freedom grow. I ban prohibition for all our POWs. Uh, I'm here with my main man, Frank Canan. And, uh, Go, Frank. Thank you. We love Frank. He's an awesome guy. Love you guys, too. And, and uh, well, thank, thank him so much, everybody, for coming for us and uh, helping support. It helps so much. Uh, we talked about that Mars in motion last week. And uh, sometimes the judge will try to deny it, but they must they must allow you to recuse the PD if you can prove incompetency, and they must uh, schedule you know, for another one, reappoint you. They actually Sue actually said uh, you can recuse three PDs, and also we know PDs make three times the money, and they deal you out. So our goal and vision, our mindset is always is no deals. We take them on to trial, and we throw everything at them. I get our discovery. We file our, our dismissed probable cause motion, and we never consent to any search. Just coming off the top of my mind, some of the things that can help folks out there uh, if you get arrested you go to jail and they read your rights best probably not to say anything unless you're very clear of what you're saying because they will hold it against you and uh, anything you say you cannot use in a courtroom anyway so best not to say anything talk to my lawyer and that goes a long ways to winning your case uh, so now we have code enforcement coming, uh, and uh, the National Guard, thank our governor. Uh, I have one of my friends here uh, with Alex Lyon, and, and our, our circle uh, had code enforcement stop by yesterday, and they they, uh, they have the letter of abatement that they leave there, and now uh, the first thing I think of is uh, uh, nobody's paying these fines. I think they start out at uh, a $500 fine, and then if you don't comply. So also in this report, I can actually read it because uh, Billy, Billy, my friend Billy, sent me the abatement notice. Uh, basically what it says in there, that a neighbor complained about your garden. What's that say? There's really no case unless there is a defendant. And also, if there's no victim, where's the crime? So first thing, when I'm helping advocate with Billy and his friend who's freaking out, I told him to breathe. Don't let them scare you and get you down or you because that's what they want you to do, and you let them win. Stand your ground. Just start coming. Uh, strong, you got you got a lot of help. So he's already uh, doing better. Uh, we're crossing each bridge. Uh, I've got Sue Cologne on it. Uh, she's a master when it comes to 
helping folks uh, with their cases uh, helped us with ours so much. And uh, so Sue's helping also. So uh, they, uh, they didn't comply to any search. Uh, so the uh, abatement notice basically says either comply, what's comply mean? Well, now laws and regulations that's legalization with AMA, we're really only allowed to grow six plants. And that's, by the way, all I'm growing. So actually, when I am, I'm completely legal. I set, I set the precedence. If anybody does come here, let them come. And uh, so either do that or, or they'll post have a hearing. So we're helping. That's what we do. With defendants, we help advocate. Uh, we help work a case. We just give him some ideas uh, and what they can do and not do. Uh, and we always take him to trial. Okay, I want to thank you all today and, and uh, all those on the front line again uh, coming together to end this failed drug war. I've been fighting 52 years for my right to have this sacred plant. Actually, I will tell you, folks, I never thought I'd even be allowed to grow six plants and I am thankful of that and uh, yeah and don't forget to breathe uh, thank you again all today bring on Willie alright well thank you very much Tom and uh, happy 4th of July to you and uh, I want to thank everybody that uh, has stepped up and shown courage courage is a word that I wish more people understood this nation and all the major change in all of society throughout all of history and all of humanity has been not established by baby steps and changing of little laws but by courageous acts of a few and the willingness of the many to stand behind the few and that's what we need every time one of us stands up and says no I'm not going to take your plea deal I'm going to take this thing and I'm going to fight it. That's when the real changes start making. And we shake the foundation of their tyranny and we can undermine it and we can knock it over and we can reclaim the liberty that we all deserve. And that's what I encourage you all to do tomorrow on the 4th of July as we celebrate independence. Why don't we get some? Just saying. All right. We'll see you all next week. I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on.